Well, guys, last couple of nights has been me and you. We've done a lot of talking about this role of being a man. We talked about leading our wives with a heart of utter dependence. We talked about loving our wives from the overflow. And I gave you some homework. The first night I asked you to go home and to pray with your wife. And, and then last night I asked you to go home and ask your wife how you could love her more. Now let me share with you somebody, I won't tell you who, but somebody asked their wife that question last night and her response was, can I just go to bed? Which I thought meant it's going to be a long conversation. Maybe we should do it tomorrow. How many of you men did your homework? <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's great. I'm proud of you men. Wonderful, wonderful job. I want to remind you men to, to go through that personal evaluation for husbands, asking the Lord what he would have to say to you. Well, guys, tonight is ladies' night. God does answer prayers, okay? It's, it's ladies' night. We want to talk about continuing with one life, one God, one glory. Tonight we're going to talk about being a woman of God, the role of a wife. And you know, guys, there's something that we've noticed as we've traveled around. Guys and girls are just different. I'm going to invite my wife, Lee, to come up. And we're going to let you in on our life a little bit and let you see just how different guys and girls are. Well, to state the obvious, I'm a guy. And I'm a girl. I grew up as an only child. I am one of five. I was a turnkey kid. You skipped one. That's quite all right. I was a turnkey kid. I forgot what I was. You have to go with the flow when we mess up. Here's a difference. Yeah, I make lists for everything. Um, I had a nanny. I even remember her name, if you want to know it. My family took a lot of vacations. I don't remember taking any vacations. I grew up eating off of fine china. Our fine china was made out of paper. We ate at the dinner table. We ate off TV trays. I would prefer a hearty breakfast. <laughs> I would prefer a piece of birthday cake for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I loved 2 a.m. feedings when our children were infants. They ate at 2 a.m.? They did. Oh. Yeah. I love animals. And I love to eat animals. <laughs> I can't stand to be cold. I can't stand to be hot. I'm a risk taker. I prefer calculated risks. Calculated risk. I like strong, bold coffee. I like what he calls frou-frou coffee. <laughs> I like bright and colorful clothes. I love gray. <laughs> I love to dress up. I love gray sweatpants. I love to shop for clothes. I love it when you shop for my clothes. <laughs> and I don't buy gray sweatpants. Right, no. I believe driving is an adult responsibility. And apparently I'm not an adult. Nope, he's not. I love to sit and read a book while on vacation. Reading while on vacation is a waste of time. There's things to do and places to see. <laughs> washing the dishes is relaxing to me. Not washing the dishes is relaxing to me. I love talking on the telephone. I love it when he gets off the phone. <laughs> I like the smell of cleanness. I love the smell of the barn and my horses. Dirty barn, dirty horses. <laughs> I like to eat leftovers. They're leftovers. There's a reason they're leftover. Right. I really enjoy cooking. I really enjoy when he cooks. <laughs> I love the opera. And I'm glad for you. 
When traveling, I like to get from point A to point B as quickly as possible. Traveling is an adventure for me that has to be captured by many photographs. Many photographs. Yeah. And potty breaks and 45-minute stops and this and that. When I want to get from point A to point B as quickly as possible. Pastor, we may need some counseling <laughs> later. I like movies that are filled with action and adventure. But he doesn't like adventure when driving from point A to point B. You're right. <laughs> I like to spend time at the end of the day talking about what happened throughout the day. And I suppose I will if I have to. <laughs> I make lists for everything, like I said before. A list just reminds me that I have things to do and it makes me tired. I pack a week of clothes for a weekend trip. You pack a pair of gray sweatpants. I do. I'm sorry I pack a pair of gray sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> I usually get in trouble for it. <laughs> and I have to go buy clothes for her. <laughs> I'm an extrovert. I'm more of an introvert. I'm probably turning red now. I like details. And just thinking about details <laughs> makes me tired. You're tired all the time. I am tired all the time. I love mornings. Yeah, me not so much. After a long, hard day... I get really touchy-feely. And after a long, hard day, especially with small children, I'm like, no, no, don't touch me there. <laughs> this is my no-no square. <laughs> We're just different. The mic is soaking wet. That's funny. <laughs> All righty, we're just different, guys. As we begin to shift gears tonight, and we begin to talk about the role of the wife, we've got to understand that the role of a wife can only be understood properly in the context of godly spiritual leadership by a husband. Men, whenever we don't lead our wives effectively, we set our wives up for failure. We must be doing our jobs well first. Man, we can't miss the heaviness of this. Even your wife's responsibility boils down to you doing your job well. Let's review the husband's role, starting off with the family truth. Our family truth tonight is a woman of God is spiritually sensitive to her God-given role. A woman of God is spiritually sensitive to her God-given role. Ephesians 5, through 24 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body. And he himself is its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Let's look at 1 Timothy 5.14, so I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. Now, according to this passage, the manager of the home is who? The wife. You're exactly right. Now, guys, I'm still learning this idea of her, the home being my wife's area to manage and, and her building her nest in her home. Our new home is out in your parking lot that you see, that big, huge trailer. Well, I had to drive our new home to our old home in South Alabama. And when I pulled it up into our driveway, I figured, okay, it's time to load this thing up and let's move in and let's get ready to go. No, it didn't work that way because my wife had to clean that thing. 
from the top to the bottom. Now, it had been cleaned well before we got it, but it wasn't good enough. She, I mean, I'm talking toothbrush clean, pulling cabinets out, pulling furniture out. She wanted it clean, and so she gets it clean, and I'm thinking, okay, time to move in, right? No, then she had to sit in it for a while and kind of get the feel of it so she could decorate it, right? What she was doing is she was making her home a place that her family would feel comfortable and secure. Ladies, I understand that your home is something that you manage. And and when you do that, listen to me guys carefully, sometimes she moves furniture around. Even though it was in the same spot two weeks ago, let her do that. It's her home. And you just get in there and you offer some hands for her. Now ladies, though you do do that well, that cave dweller that you live with needs a place to have his stuff. So if you've got a room in there that your husband has kind of put his stuff, whatever you do, don't go in there and mess with his stuff. It will, if you start moving things around, it will mess with his, with his mojo. And, and, and you make it bit by whatever's in there. Okay? We're so glad that God has given you the ability to, to do this well. And, and guys, though, though your wife manages the home, it doesn't mean that you can't manage things around the home like the vacuum cleaner and the, 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 the clothes dryer and those things. You can manage those as well. Now, as we're going to understand the responsibility that we have as men before we can really talk about the women. Let's back all the way up to Genesis chapter 3. Now, do you remember what happened in Genesis chapter 3? Who sinned first in that story? Eve. You're right. Eve, Eve took of the fruit and then she gave to Adam. Now, let me ask you this. Who was ultimately held responsible for that sin? Adam, you're exactly right. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, that one man being Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men. What is this verse actually telling us? Men, it's telling us that if our marriage falls apart, if our family falls apart, though you may not be 100% at fault, you are 100% responsible. Now you're thinking, Shane, that's not fair. Guys, it is fair because God called us to be a leader. And with leadership comes great responsibility. You must lead your wife with a heart of utter utter dependence. You must love her from the overflow. Let's dive a little bit deeper, understanding our role as men. Now let's begin to talk about the role of a wife. Remember again, ladies... A godly wife is one that is very spiritually sensitive to her God-given role. That means that you approach your role with an understanding that if God has called you to this, God will equip you to do this. And it's not about you, ultimately, it's about the glory of God. Just like the role of leadership will be uncomfortable for your husband, your role will have some areas of uncomfortableness As well, we see in scripture that there's basically two responsibilities that God calls you to as a wife. Number one, He calls you to the role of completing your husband, the role of completion. This is in you're helping Him complete His role. You're called to respect Him, to love Him, to minister to Him, to nurture Him, to walk beside Him, to, to be His 
help me. This means that you are, you're there to help him fulfill his mission as the leader. Genesis 2.18, God said, it's not, for good, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. The second role that God calls you to is to submit to your husband's God-given authority. Now, ladies, I know that some of you right now have already began to squirm in your seat. And I, I know that you have some awful picture in your head of this thing called bondage. I mean submission. You're thinking it's this ugly thing when the truth of the matter is it's actually very beautiful. There was a pastor one day that was getting ready to preach a sermon and he had taken his pulpit and he had turned it into this big World War II bunker, right? And the bunker had slits, and he was standing behind the bunker looking through the slits. And what he said to the congregation was, Today, my text is Ephesians 5, 22, Wives, submit to your husband. It's one of the most disliked and divisive words in the Bible. But I believe that it's, 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 it's marked as divisive because we don't have a real understanding of what it is. God's calling you to submit to your husband under the context of submit ye one to another. So let's talk about this thing called submission. Let's look at the definition of submission. It means to arrange under the command of a leader a voluntary, key word, a voluntary attitude of giving in cooperating. Ephesians 5.22 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. When we submit to anyone, we are submitting as unto the Lord. You cannot say, I am submissive to God, yet choose not to be submissive to your husband. Now, man, we, we talked last night about loving your wife as Christ loves the church. And this means that you're willing to die for her. And men, this is the key in your wife's role of submission. When you live out your role of submission before her, meaning you're willing to die for her, you make it much more easy for her to live out her role of submission. A man never demands submission of his wife. He never lords over her. He never sits back and barks orders at her. He doesn't play any type of trump card. Christ Never did any of this. Now, ladies, as we begin to discuss this thing called submission, the foundational truth that we must understand is that God loves you. And that God would never call you to something that was bad for you. Which means that this role of submission is something that's good for you. It's something that's beautiful that he has given you. Please understand it's not submission because you have to. Rather, it's submission because you choose to or you desire to glorify God by living out the role that he's given you as a godly wife. Remember Colossians 3.17, we talked about Sunday night. And whatever you do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. If we're going to talk about a biblical understanding of submission, I think a good way to do that is to begin by talking about what submission is not. 
Let's talk about what submission is not. First of all, it's not taking a second-rate position. Submission does not mean that the wife is considered of less worth than the husband. The Bible very clearly teaches that men and women are equal heirs to the throne of God. The idea of, of inferiority actually denies the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, equal but with different, distinct roles. And that's the way it is for us as husband and wife. We're equal, but God's called us to very distinct roles. It's also not losing your identity in Christ. It's not losing your identity in Christ. Your identity is who you are. And your submission does not change who you are. Rather, what it does is it magnifies your true identity, which is in Christ Jesus. Christ submitted to his Father. Christ did nothing outside of his Father's instructions. He said nothing outside of what his Father said. Submission is also not blind obedience to sinful or questionable activities. You're not called to follow anyone into sin. Jesus is your ultimate master. Now men, that means that your wife has the right to question your motives or your activities. To keep you in line with what the Lord would desire. The way my wife does this with me is, is if I'm heading down a direction or, or, or if I'm making a decision for the family, simple question she asks me is, have you prayed this through? And if I respond to her, yes, I've prayed this through, she'll follow me anywhere. Because she trusts me, but ultimately because she trusts God. And she's watching me submit to His authority. So what does the scripture actually say about submission? Well, we've already read Ephesians 5, 22 through 24. Look at Colossians 3, 18. Wives, submit to your husband as is fitting in the Lord. Look at 1 Timothy 2, 11. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. That doesn't mean that you don't have a say because you do. My wife is a woman of extreme wisdom. And I go to her frequently to ask her input. 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2 says, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and the reverence of your lives. We were in Augusta, Georgia at National Hills Baptist Church, and I had the wonderful opportunity of meeting a couple that had been married for 53 years. Her husband came to know the Lord a year and a half prior to us getting there. She lived a role of submission before her husband, loving him, ministering to him. And her life was such a witness to him, he surrendered his life to the Lord. This beautiful role of submission. Lady, where the, where the, rubbers, where the rubber meets the road is, is in this reality. Submission is not easy. It's not easy. As a matter of fact, it's contrary 
to your fleshly bent. Look with me at Genesis 3.16. To the woman, God speaking after the fall, he says, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Now what is God saying here? Remember, this is a curse as a result of the fall. So as a result of the curse, is God saying all of a sudden your husband's going to look really good to you. Oh, you're going to be like, woo, I desire him. No, that's not at all what it's saying. That word desire is the same word that's used in Genesis 4-7. If you do well, will you not be accepted? Now, this is talking to Cain, remember, after the sin of Cain. And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. So ladies, this verse actually means that as a result of the fall, part of the curse is that you will desire to rebel against your husband's leadership. And you will actually desire to take over his role as a leader. Just like your husband, because of your sinful flesh, you must be utterly dependent to live out the role that God's called you to live out. So let's talk about what submission is. Number one, submission is a personally chosen gift. This is a personal choice that you decide to make. It's a voluntary choice. You are happily deciding to let your husband lead you and to be the primary decision maker in your home. And men, when we love our wives with the depth that Christ loves the church, the submission will, will be a glad choice for her. See, true biblical submission doesn't come from the person doing the submitting, but rather from the person being submitted to. Submission is not something that's demanded, it's something that's given. You're making a willful choice to give this beautiful gift to your husband. Your, husband, your submission speaks great value and great confidence in your husband. It shows that you're willing to follow him. It's kind of like if you were to tell your, your child, hey, honey, you did a good job. I'm proud of you. And your child begins to puff up. The same thing happens to your husband when you're willing to follow him and trust him. Now listen, your husband will let you down. He'll fail. He's a, he's a sinner. He'll mess up. But in the end... He will be a more effective leader. Be more effective in his role of loving Christ when you willfully submit to him. Lee and I were married in 1995 and when we were going through the marriage stuff with the preacher, my wife stopped him and she said, no, hold on just a second. I want you to understand. I'll do whatever you ask me to do, but one thing I'm not going to do is I'm not going to say I will honor and obey. Because I'm not going to obey any man. That's the way she was raised. Her mother told her that you need a man like a fish needs a bicycle. Yeah. And I didn't care. I just wanted to marry the girl, right? Life actually came to our church in 2001, and God began to do this work in her heart, helping her understand this role of submission. And she came to me some years later, and she said, I want to do it all over again, and I want to put those vows back in. So in South Africa, we got married again with those vows put back in. 
most beautiful day, my wife honoring me by choosing to give the gift of submission. Submission is also a testimony of your heart. It's a testimony of your heart. Philippians 2, 3 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Understanding the natural bent of the flesh, biblical submission can only come from a heart of genuine humility. This is a heart that desires to put the interest of your husband ahead of your own interest. So your, so your submission is actually a testimony of your heart. It's a testimony of the humility of your heart. Now on the flip side, when you choose not to submit, you are submitting, you're just submitting to a heart of pride. When your husband messes up, how do you respond to him? Do you say things like, I told you that you'd do that? Or do you say, honey, how can I help you? In, in your role as a leader. One comes from a heart of pride. One comes from a heart of submission. Number three, submission is a testimony of the greatness of Christ. As you live out this role of submission with consistency and with repetition, you actually begin to gain credibility with your husband and with those around you. And through your personal choice of, of submission, your life actually becomes a testimony of the power and the sufficiency of Christ. Because you can't do it on your own. And your role of submission actually points back to your dependence on Christ. And it tells everybody else, I serve a great God. And He's allowing me to submit as He lives through me. Number four, submission is a place of great protection and contentment. As you are ultimately surrendering to God in your submission to your husband. And when you do this, it puts you under God's umbrella of protection. 1 Corinthians 11.3 says, But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of every wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is is God. So we have in this picture, this wonderful picture of God, Christ, husband, wife. God has your protection and your contentment at heart when He asks you to submit to your husband. Submission is a God given opportunity for you to experience the genuine fulfillment of being a woman. And being a wife. And as you take the challenge, your life will begin to take on a depth of meaning and significance that God has planned for you. Ladies, let me ask you a question. Are you content with the man that God has called to be your leader? Are you willing to submit to him, ultimately submitting to the Lord? Are you willing to give him the gift of submission? Here's the ultimate question. Are you willing, in spite of your feelings, to submit to the Lord by submitting to your husband? Are you willing to glorify God by fulfilling your God-given role? Now, ladies, as you process this, let me give you 
some, some pointers. Number one, focus on Christ's perfection and not your husband's performance. He'll let you down. Number two, focus on serving your husband and helping him be who God has called him to be. Now guys, I want to give you some pointers as well before I give the ladies their homework. Whatever you do, men, do not go home and say, did you hear what Shane said? It will not go well with you, brother. Don't do that. The second thing is your wife should see submission lived out in your life as you submit to Christ. Ladies, let me give you some homework. Ask your husband what you can do to effectively show him you desire to be submissive. Will you be willing to have that conversation with him?